Father, Lord, you have spoken. Your Holy Spirit, he is here, he is moving, he is among us. Lord, I just pray that we would tune into his voice right now. God, you have instructed me, and uh, Father, I will obey, I will listen. God, I just pray that uh, you are glorified, God, by my obedience, by my willingness to follow your lead. So, Lord Jesus, I pray that you speak. Lord, you know what people need to hear today. So, Lord, I pray that you speak directly to them. Uh, There are lost people among us. There are people that don't know you. And God, I just pray that they would repent today, that they would come to you, that they would come to know you, that they would see themselves for who they really are. They would stop pretending and playing games, God, but they would see themselves for who they really are. And that you would receive glory, God, from us humbling ourselves and coming to you and asking, God, for you to rescue us. So, Lord Jesus, I pray that you speak now to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. So I had a sermon planned. It is now a different sermon. Connie, you'll have to keep up with the scripture. It's Mother's Day, and I was going to talk about Galatians chapter 4. And... uh, being adopted into the family of God. The perfect picture of God's love is a picture of adoption and how God sees us in the place that we're in. And He wants us to be part of His family. He sees the condition of us and He wants us to be part of His family. And that does tie into what God has led me to this morning. And I will preach what God has told me to preach. In Luke chapter 15, we see the parable of the lost sheep. We just sang a song about God leaving the 99 to come after the one. So today we will read the passage. And we will ask God to move and we will ask God to do the work that only he can do. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Uh, Tax collectors were seen as uh, outcasts of the community, people that didn't fit in. People that were rejected by their own people. You see, they had sold themselves out to the Romans. For what? For money. So they could earn a living. You say, well, maybe they did it out of desperation. Maybe they didn't have another way to make money. Maybe. My guess is, is that they always had another way to make money. But this is a choice they made. They chose to sell out their own people. The Israelites were under Roman rule, and these would be people that made a choice. They would make a choice to sell out their own people for money. It says tax collectors and other notorious sinners. Notorious. To be notorious means to to be uh, known by this 
characteristic. It means to be identified. This is part of your identity. This is who you are. These are people whose identity is found in sin. These are people who have rejected the law. The Israelites knew God's law very well. These are people that rejected God's law. And they have sinned against God's law. But, but they were seeking. But they were seeking because it says they came to listen to Jesus teach. See, Jesus taught in a different way. Jesus didn't teach like everybody else taught. He, he literally said that he came to proclaim good news to the poor, to give sight to the blind. He came for the purposes of, of finding the outcast in the place that they're in and loving them and showing them grace that they had never show, been shown before. That they had not adhered to the law and they, they weren't fully in on following the law, but, but God has sent him to rescue them. And this was good news. You see, because these people... They always felt like outcasts. Maybe some of their sin was their responsibility. Absolutely. Maybe they had fallen into some sin. Maybe in a place of desperation, that's where they got to their sin. Maybe it's prostitution is the place that they're in. But whatever the case, they came to listen to Jesus teach. If you find yourself in a place of sin... If you are notorious for your sin, if you are known by your sin, you find your identity in sin, I would ask you, listen to Jesus teach. Listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. They got upset with Jesus because not only would he be around these people and they would come to, to hear him talk, but he would eat a meal with them. So in Jesus' day and even in our day, when you really connect with somebody, when you really get to know who somebody is, when you let your guard down, you have a meal with them. You can associate with them in such a way that it's, it's a little bit closer than just them listening to you. It's a communication. It's a two-way conversation, right? Jesus didn't just teach to these people. He didn't just proclaim the good news so that they could hear it. He didn't just say... This is what you need to listen to. He actually would have a conversation with these people. One thing about people that are on the outside, one thing that they can all say is that they, is they feel isolated. It's, they feel like there's an emptiness inside of them, a, a, an element of love that is missing. That's what it is when you, when you feel alone. Well, that's what it is, right? There's an element of love that is missing for your life, from your life. And for whatever reason that you feel alone, 
That's the place that you get. And, and, and Jesus is here with these people that often felt like they were alone. Even though they were sinful, sometimes they would hang out together, but they all felt alone. They all felt separate from society. You can tell by what it says about the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law. They complain about associating with such sinful people, which means that it was not common practice for people to associate with these people. You were supposed to get away from them at all costs. You were not supposed to be around them. And because of that, I know, I, I innately know in my heart that it must have caused them to feel some element of loneliness, isolation, lacking an element of love in their life. But there was a man that he, uh, he would have a meal with him, and his name was Jesus. And he wasn't afraid to sit down with them. You know why he sat down? You know why he did that? So they wouldn't be alone. You know why Jesus brought you here today? So that you can know that there's a way for you to not feel alone. He wants you to hear this. He, want, he wants you to hear that. He doesn't want you to be alone. He, he wants to have a meal with you. He wants to sit down and commune with you. He wants to be close to you. But you have to be willing to. You have to be willing to sit down at the table with him. You have to open up your life and say, all right. All I know is, is what you teach. And, and what you teach seems to be full of love. And, and it looks good from a distance. But if you don't let him in, if you don't let him have a seat at your table, then you're going to miss the love. You're going to miss the connection if you don't allow him in to sit down at your table and, and commune with him and experience that love in a two-way communication with him. When it goes from being him talking to you in a public setting, him, his words preaching to you, to all of a sudden it's now very personal because it's a two-way communication and it's right there in your face. That's the difference. That's the difference. So these people, they're alone. He's got to tell them a story about being alone. And uh, we're just going to read it. This is what Jesus says. So Jesus told them a story. Now, Jesus told stories for a couple of different reasons. One was so that people could identify and connect with the story. Sometimes it was such that those who weren't really listening wouldn't understand what he was talking about. Jesus is sitting there with these people. He's talking to them. He says, I just want to tell you a story. I'm sure that the, the conversation probably had been casual up to this point. How are you doing? I'm okay. Jesus, that was a really cool sermon you delivered. When you were up on the mount, that was like one of the best I'd ever heard, you know. And they're having this conversation with Jesus. And all of a sudden, he tells a story. And it changes the whole conversation. He says, uh, if, so he starts out kind of with a question. Now, every time God asks a question, it's an invitation. If you look through God's word, if you see a question mark, just know that it's an invitation from God. If a man has a hundred sheep 
and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the other 99 others in the wilderness to go and search for the one that is lost until he finds it? So what he is saying is that these people that he's talking to, and the the Pharisees have just gotten mad at him because he has a meal with these people, and, and he wants to talk to the Pharisees, and he wants to talk to the lost people together. And he wants to show that there is a difference. He wants to show that there is a place for everybody. And he asked the question, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he, won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? So we have a picture here of a shepherd who has got one that has gone astray. One that has gone astray. And uh, he used to be part of the flock. He used to be there connected with everybody. He used to be one of them, right? He used to be with the other 99, but now he's not anymore. One reason or another, we don't know why he's lost, but we know that he's lost. And uh, Jesus asked the question. He says, wouldn't you leave those 99 that seem to be together? Even though they're in the wilderness, even though they're in, in harsh conditions, they're together. So there's some... Some safety there. There's some comfort there. Wouldn't you leave those 99 together and say they're doing okay. They haven't wandered off. They know what they're supposed to do. So they have stayed in the correct field. They have done the things that they're supposed to do. And now they're here. But there's one that doesn't know where he's supposed to be. Won't you, won't you go and, and find that one? Now, Jesus is talking in parallel here, and we'll find that out in just a minute. But let me skip down to verse 7. It says, in the same way, there's more joy in heaven when over one lost sinner who repents and turns to God over the 99 who others are righteous and haven't strayed away. So he is talking about people here. And what he says is, the 99... Who have not strayed. The 99 who are living according to the law. There is one that has gone apart. He says won't you go and find that one. And he's talking about the kingdom of God. And he's talking about how God has come to rescue and go after the one. To go after the one. The one that is not self-righteous. The one that doesn't think he has it all together. The one that recognizes that he's lost. The one that finds himself in a place that he never intended to be. And all of a sudden he is separated. He is alone. He is isolated. And now he, he doesn't even know his way back to the other 99. He's just lost. He needs somebody to come along and show him the way back to the, to the place where he's supposed to be. And this is God. This is God. This pursuit. You see, God saw us in our sinful nature. And he saw that there was no way that we were going to be able to deal with that sinful nature on our own. That we had gone away. 
because we become sons of disobedience. We become ones that just actively chose to, to walk away from God, whether we admit it or not. We look around and we find ourselves in a place of isolation, a place that is far from God and far from the others. And we, we look around and we see ourselves there. And God said, I have a solution. I have a way for you to find your way back to where you're supposed to be. I'm going to send a shepherd after you. And his name is Jesus. And he's the same one telling this story. You see, God saw us in our place that we were in. He knew where we needed to be, but there was no way we could get back there. If we'd gotten ourselves into this place to begin with, and we look around, I mean, if, if we could get back to the other sheep, wouldn't we just go back to the other sheep? But we can't do that alone. We can't do that on our own. You see, there, is some there are some people in this world that are trying to go back on their own. You know what happens when they try to go back on their own? They end up stumbling around the wilderness looking and looking and looking for the other sheep. Looking for their place where they're supposed to be. But they don't know where they're supposed to be because they don't have the shepherd to show them where they're supposed to be. And people say this all the time. I'm going to get my act together then I'm going to start coming to church. I'm going to get my life together and, and then I'm, I'm going to come back to church. You can't. You can't. You, you don't know where you're supposed to go. You're just going to wander around hoping that you might stumble upon where you're supposed to be. You can't do anything good apart from God. Do you understand that? Do you understand that there's no way that you can do it on your own? And that's why God had to send his son to tell this story and to live his life and to, to sacrifice his life on the cross for you. It's because you can't do it on your own. You can't find your way back on your own. And what happens? Look at what happens when the shepherd finds a sheep. And when he has found it. It just means he comes up on the sheep in the place that it's in. When he has found it. In the place that it's in. He will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. So what does he do? He sees the sheep. It was very common for a shepherd to pick up a sheep and put it on its neck. And then because the, the sheep doesn't know its way back, then the shepherd's the one that leads back to the other sheep, right? To the flock. He's the one that, that leads back that way. And... The sheep really is under no power of his own. All he's doing is completely dependent upon the shepherd. He doesn't have to move his legs. He doesn't have to, to do anything on his own. You know what he has to do? He has to trust that the shepherd's not going to drop him, and that's all he has to do. He has to trust that the shepherd's got his in his hands, and nothing's going to happen so long as the shepherd has got me. He's going to trust that no matter what comes against me, it doesn't matter if there are bears or lions or whatever comes out of the, wo the woods, what's got to protect me is the shepherd. That the shepherd is what I ha must have my faith in. The shepherd is what I must have my trust in in order for me to get back to the place that I'm supposed to be. And he takes all the weight off the sheep's legs and puts it on his back. That's our sin. 
That's our sin. You see, the two people we baptized this morning, there's two things that they had in common. As they said that that when they gave their life to Christ, it was like this tremendous weight had been lifted off of their shoulders. It's like they could stand a little taller. It's like they could breathe a little easier. It's because the guilt and the shame and the burden and carrying that all on their own had literally weighed them down. And I said, isn't it amazing how we can have a physical transformation at the same time we have a spiritual transformation and God takes the weight off our heart and at the same time you can almost feel it like a weight is taken off your shoulders. And some of you have experienced that. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, but some of you don't. Some of you may have said a prayer or gotten wet in a pool somewhere, but you have not experienced the weight being taken off of you because you have never fully trusted the shepherd. Because you have never said, you know what? There's nothing I can do. It all belongs to him. And you have to give your whole self to him and say, God, wherever you lead, that's where I'm in. That's where I'm going. I'm following you. You've got me now, and there's nothing that I'm not trusting in myself in any way. It all belongs to you, so now I'm trusting in you. And some people are carrying around the weight because they've never given it all to Jesus. So, Jesus, this man, he picks up the sheep. He says, and when he is found, won't he joyfully carry it home on his shoulders? Joyfully. Does anybody else see that word? Joyfully? How does that not make you cry? Joyful. But Jesus, I, I, I'm, I'm, the one, I'm the one that walked away. I'm the one that got lost on my own. I'm the one that didn't do what everybody else was doing. I knew what I was supposed to do. I knew where I was supposed to be, but I didn't. So here I find myself. And I'm looking around, and I'm wondering what's going to happen in my life. And I'm wondering what, where this is going to lead. And, and, and I'm just stumbling around in the wilderness just wondering. And then he finds me, and he picks me up, and he puts me on his shoulders, and then he joyfully carries my burden. Joyfully, with joy, with joy, Jesus finds me. This person who has rebelled against him, rebelled against his love, rejected his love time and time again, then he picks me up in this place that I am now that I fully trust him, and he puts the weight on his shoulders, and joyfully, joyfully carries me back home, home home there's something so peaceful and so restful about home isn't it it's not a house a house is a different thing than a home a home is a place where you feel at ease am i right it's a place where your recliner and your television is you know and they've got ice cream in the freezer that's what home is you know home is a place where you, you can rest and find your joy and your peace and your relaxation and all of those things. Man, it is a place where family is. Isn't that what home is? It's a place where your family is. A place where your family is. Brought back to the family. Brought back to the family. You see, when God rescues us, He brings us home. To the place of restoration, to the place of peace, and the place of joy, and the place where the family of God resides, He brings us home joyfully. And what happens? And 
when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. You would think, you would think that we would be the ones to just cry out and say, Man, I'm home, I'm home, I'm home. Finally, I'm home. I've been away, but now I'm home. But instead, it, it, is, it is the shepherd that cries out, He's home. He's home. He's come back. He's where he's supposed to be now. You see, one thing I tell, tell people all the time when, when, when I'm talking to them about Christ, one thing that you have to know, one thing that breaks my heart, one thing that I cannot get over is that He wants me more than I want Him. When I look at my brokenness and my emptiness and my loneliness and all those things that I feel, when I look at all of that, man, I, I'm in desperate need of something. Then Jesus comes along and I'm like, that's what I need. I'm hurting so bad I cannot stand to live in my own flesh anymore. You know that, that place of desperation you get to where you don't care if you take another breath or not. You just want it to stop. And then Jesus comes along and you think just maybe there's the answer. And then you find out this. As much as you're hurting and as desperate as you are in need of a relationship with Him. He goes, I've wanted you even more than that. Your whole life when you didn't even recognize me, when you didn't even see me, when you didn't even know that you were lost in the wilderness until I came around and found you. Then you were like, oh my, look at this place that I'm in. I have wandered away from the place that I was supposed to be. And he says, I came to get you. I came to find you. I came to rescue you. He has been looking for you. Can you even wrap your mind around that? God, the creator of the universe, the one that, that knows the number of stars in the sky, that hung the heavens above us, that, that he holds the, the oceans in, in the hollows of his hand. That God who sent his son to pay the penalty that we could never pay, that God is looking for us and searching us out in the lost condition that we're in. He is looking for us. And then when he finds us and carries us home, he celebrates and he celebrates with the others. He says this in the same way, there is more joy over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Is this to say that the shepherd does not care about the 99? Not at all. Not at all. Is this to say that the shepherd doesn't oversee the 99? That he leaves them there forever? No, not at all. I think that when he brings the one lost one back, I think that it's in the sheepfold. And once it's in the sheepfold, it can't be let go of that sheepfold. The same way with us in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Once you're in, you're in. There is nothing that can take you out of that sheepfold. He is the door. And nothing's going to come back through the door unless it's Jesus himself. 
And he said, man, I am the way. And once you've come through the door, there's no way to get back out because you are one of mine. You can't unadopt me. That we become one of his family. And once we're one of his family, we get a new spirit and a new birth. And we're reborn and we're changed from the inside out. And once we're there, we're there. And God cares for the 99. He absolutely does. But there are some that are out there that are lost. And he goes searching for them. And sometimes he does that in a number of ways. Sometimes he does that through a friend who has a testimony of one that they love Jesus. They are committed to following Jesus. The evidence of their life, the fruit of their life is such that, that they love Jesus and you can see it. And, and you're curious and you want to hear more about this Jesus because you see it in their life and you, you wonder, man, what's that all about? Why are they different? Why are they not like everybody else? Why do they have joy when everybody else doesn't? What are these things going on in their life? And God is searching out that lost one through that believer. And then there's sometimes, there's sometimes when uh, you find yourself in a church service and uh, you didn't expect yourself to be here for one reason or another maybe somebody invited you you didn't expect to, to find yourself here and then God starts speaking and you begin to recognize this voice and that's that's not like any other voice that's a different voice it's, there's a different kind of power and strength in that voice there's something unique about this voice that's calling out to me. That's the shepherd. That's the shepherd. And there will be some. That today. You'll choose to ignore the voice of the shepherd. And continue to wander off deeper into the wilderness. And continue to be lost. I pray that you are not one of those. I pray that you recognize that your shepherd has come and he is here and he has given himself as a sacrifice, as a ransom for you. See, what we, we could not do, we could not adhere to the law, we could not become the righteousness of the law, but God did that in the sinful man by sending his son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering in order that the righteousness of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the law but live according to the Spirit. God did that for you. He searched after you. He brought you here so that he could find you today. Please don't ignore his voice. Please understand that he's here to rescue you from that place that you're in. Even if you don't recognize the desperation of the place that you're in. Maybe you're feeling okay today and you don't feel super lonely. Or you're not burdened by somebody's death that was close to you. Maybe that's okay with you today. But you recognize when you heard the voice today. There's going to be a time... Because it's happened before. There's going to be a time when I'm going to need that shepherd. There's going to be a time when I'm going to need him to carry me on his shoulders. I've experienced it before and I know it's coming again. And whether I like it or not, it's reality in my life. The question is this. Will you respond to his voice today? Will you respond to his voice? Will you let him rescue you? And when he rescues you, He's going to celebrate because he's been searching for you. Let's pray. Father, this is your word. You have spoken. There is nothing else I need to say. God, your 
amazing love. It goes beyond comprehension. And Lord, why you would choose to seek us out and to find us in the place that we're in. And then take the weight off of us and put it on yourself. And then celebrate and joyfully take us back home. Lord, I cannot comprehend that. I do not understand that. But God, I cannot live apart from that. I don't want to live apart from that. So Lord Jesus, I pray that if there are people here today that you would rescue them. God, maybe it's a sinner who has never fully trusted in you. Maybe they've never put the whole weight of their sin and their burden on you and said, God, it has been nailed to the cross for me and I believe that and I have faith in that and I trust in that. Maybe there is somebody here like that today. God, maybe they've, they've wandered in here for some reason or another, but today you have shown them indeed that they are lost. Well, God, I thank you for speaking to them. I thank you, God, for the fact that they have at least heard your voice. It's their choice now as to whether they respond or not. And then for the sinner that is a Christ follower, but they've wandered away. They found themselves in a place they never intended to be. God, I pray that you would rescue them as well. God, that you would, you would bring, bring them back to the place that they know they're supposed to be. be. I pray that you would bring them back home into that loving relationship, that place where they know they can find peace and they cannot find it apart from you. So, Lord, I just pray that you speak to your people now. May your Holy Spirit, may his voice be more powerful than mine. And may you speak right now and do the work that only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen.